You're listening to Improving Business, where personal and business finance take a front row seat. I'm Brandon. And this is Rick. And today we'll be talking about Google and the art of separating business fads from reality. Are you looking to start a business? Or do you currently own a business that seems to be jumping at any opportunity to succeed? Well, today we'll talk about the creation of Google and how their historic rise to fame can help you and your small and mid-sized businesses. We'll be tapping into some ideas from a McKinsey & Company video, a digital strategy framework, how to make sense of digital disruption by Agnes Dawson and Chris Bradley. And basically, we'll be figuring out how to stop you from falling into business fads and uh, but help <laughs> you notice what business reality is going to be. Yeah, but keep making bell bottoms. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, those are good. Those are great. That's right. But before we get into our Google story uh, and the business aspects of helping you uh, we're going to talk about an announcement actually we've never done an announcement here you know that we've no never, we've, this is our 75th episode we've never done an announcement it's like you know one of us is getting married having a baby or you know. i'm i'm having a baby everyone <laughs> got some good news so the announcement is is that this is going to be our last podcast of improving business Oh, I hear the, collect, the uh, collective groan. Uh-huh. But don't worry because we are actually starting a new one on August 1st, around the first part of August. And it's going to be calling Rambling Business because we ramble a lot. That's true. That's true. And because it has to do with um, traveling and uh, business in certain local places. So this podcast is actually going to be different. We're, we hope we're breaking new ground. I don't know if anybody else has done this. This is a multimedia podcast. So not only will we be talking about business in general and personal finance like we do here, but we're going to be talking to businesses not only around the United States, but even abroad. And so we'll be talking to them about what works, what doesn't work. And uh, in addition to learning about these things, we'll be doing videos of some of these processes that they do and some of the owners of these businesses. And what we're going to be doing is uh, we're, we're going to be having an episode. We're going to be doing travel tips. So one of the episodes during the month will be travel tips. For, for example, our first uh, series for the month of August is going to be uh, Business in the Bayou. And it's going to be when I went down on my trip to New Orleans and interviewed some businesses down there and learned some different ways and challenges they had in running their businesses. And, of course, I have videos and uh, we have music, uh, Bayou music <laughs> Yeah. also. So this is something we're trying. That's, uh, we're trying to get the podcast to a different level, which is connecting to the web page, cr- uh, connecting to SoundCloud, uh, connecting to YouTube. And connecting to other parts of the United States besides California. That's right. Because we talked so much about how California. Yes, that's right. You know, how many times have we talked about amusement parks here? <laughs> uh, twice, thrice, I think. Uh, twice. So um, we're going to be talking about the uh, the Google story now, but we wanted to let you guys know that, uh, you know, don't abandon us. Uh, keep an eye out on iTunes and also on the Internet for Rambling Business, ramblingbusiness.com. So anyway... How did this Google thing start? A lot of people use it every day. Uh, some people still use Bing, uh, but most most of the internet <laughs> traffic goes through Google. 
And uh, Google was started by Larry Page and Sergey Brin, uh, PhD students at Stanford University in 1996. The sort of the that was the be- eight years after you were born, right? Yeah, when when you know most internet before then was done on message boards, right? Where you would I had no idea. <laughs> Uh, what I, even though there wasn't the internet in 1995, I was just learning how to use email. <laughs> email, yeah, I remember uh, <laughs> those old computers that I would see in your office. Yes. Uh, anyway, the the project, uh, the Google project, stemmed from Page's dissertation theme to explore the mathematical properties of the World Wide Web. Um, mostly focusing on the problem of finding out which web pages link to a given page. Sort of, um, we think of the web as a very interconnected place now, but before this, it was so, they were sort of like islands, uh, these message boards, uh, yeah. at least in research that I've done. I mean, mm-hmm. you would go to a specific place and there would be information, but mm-hmm. that wouldn't link anywhere. And if it did link anywhere, you had, you would have to, there was no centralized way to look for something. You know, this this idea for the dissertation was actually recommended to him by his professor. Oh, well, that's a good recommendation. That's a billion-dollar recommendation. Yeah, he said it was the best advice he he had ever taken, and I guess that was an (laughs) understatement. (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. Uh, So Bryn joined Page, uh, who was supported by the National Science Graduate Fellowship, the NSFGF. This is a give to work on a project called uh, Backrub, which is uh, creepy, uh, but it was this it was this sort of thing that just had a bad name. Uh, basically, they discovered the connection of the relevance of a web page to its backlinks because thing you know information that uh, is linking to different places probably uh, pertains to one another. And, no, and even even today, backlinks are an important thing to getting the rankings of your web page. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. we're in 2015 now. It's sort of the foundation of uh, 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 social media marketing and uh, Google optimization. But anyway, they formed Google.com, which was a play on the word uh, Google, G-O-O-G-O-L. And a Google is a mathematical term for the number represented by the numeral one followed by a hundred zeros, mm. which is a lot, which is, uh, you know too yeah. much to think about yeah, but basically yeah. it reflected uh, Larry and Sergi's mission to organize a seemingly infinite amount of information on the web into a coherent place you know a Google of um, information yeah. um, sorted in other words they were able to tailor specific searches uh, in an infinite volume of data if they knew that there was a be podcast they could have called a gaggle why gaggling Good. You mean giggling? Giggling. Gag- no, gaggle isn't like a, a gaggling like goose. A, gaggling goose. You yeah, know? but a Google, a Google is like a, 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 a hundred zeros. A gaggle of geese is only like 15, oh. 20, okay. 20 geese. <laughs> yeah, but they, they never they had, shut up. <laughs> they, were shooting, they were shooting for a bigger number. Okay. <laughs> I actually saw Sergi Brin once uh, on the Google campus. I was dating someone who whose father worked for Google, and we went to, like, go to their little um, cafeteria, which serves excellent food. But I had, uh-huh. like, a steak and a cheese plate at this free <laughs> Google. It was ridiculous. But I wow. saw Sergi Brin. He pointed at me. That's the guy, one of the guys who created Google, uh, just, just walking around. Yeah, see, that's something you can tell your kids, your grandkids, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I tell them, like, I saw Elvis. 
Yeah, yeah twice. I can say I saw Sergi Brin. Yes. Um, and I can say that from inside the uh, Google-owned salt mines that we'll all work in after the uh, the Google driving cars take over the world. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the robot revolution. Now, we have a uh, link to the Dawson and Bradley video. And this was part of an overall series article that McKinsey and company were doing on explaining change. And they called it disruption. Uh, and I don't want to get into that because that really gets in some really um, jargon words that's used in the strategic planning industry. So we're just going to call it change. You know, uh, so what they did is they like they drew from the Google story. Actually, I, I got this from that as I, uh, I looked up Google story after reading their article about change. And basically what they were talking about was you're trying to match what your what your customer wants uh, with what you are offering to them. In other words, what are their specific demands? And that's what made Google so great because you yeah. have this huge amount of information. But who needs all that information? Yeah, they were creating a way to meet any demand for information. Yeah. Um, as for your company, you have to ask yourself the question, are you like a newspaper that bundles a lot of information in different sections? A person may only get a newspaper to read the front page and the sports page or the funny papers. Yes, yes. You know, comics. Yeah, right. Some people who love Heathcliff. Is yes. that still Cal in the paper? Calvin and Hobbes, yes. Calvin and Hobbes, um, syndicated stuff. But uh, this single distribution system wastes a lot of resources providing information to each uh, that each customer won't use. That's the problem with the newspaper, right? And I uh -huh. think one of the reasons why uh, why newspaper uh, readership has gone down is because people want the information specific to them and they want it as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. This is very similar to a prior podcast that we did. Actually, it was our 12th podcast, and we've done 75. So that is like quickly 75, 63 podcasts ago. Yeah, good, good math. Thank you. I'm amazed that you did that without a calculator. I, I, That's I, a running in joke about accountants, right? Yes, I know. We're always running. But, uh, yeah, it was called The Blue Ocean Strategy, and I always recommend that book. Uh, and we did a podcast on that. It was called uh, Jack LaLanne and His Swim in the Blue Ocean Strategy, uh, where we basically talk about tailoring your business. So, you know, one thing I found about so many of these articles and things that I read uh, uh, in the Harvard uh, Business Review or McKinsey Quarterly or any of the other places that I read, a lot of them are the same ideas but they're just kind of served in a different tray, mm -hmm. you know, and I hate to, I hate to be critical, but you know, it's, it's, that's basically what I see a lot of. And what these guys are talking about, I think they made it a little more quantitative than the blue ocean strategy did, which is good, yeah. but it's really the basic same theory of tailoring what you're offering to your customer to meet their demands. Yeah. Uh, the next thing to think about is that fads are problematic, mm -hmm. right? Everyone mm -hmm. wants to be on the cutting edge, and I've I've worked for people um, and done uh, bookkeeping for people that that following fads has driven them bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that is is because fads are temporary. If mm -hmm. you spend a whole bunch of time changing your company to address a fad, you're only temper tapping into a temporary demand. And competitors are saturating the supply with you. I mean, people yeah. trying to jump on the bandwagon. That's why Google was able to do it because they didn't. I mean, 
finding more information is not a fad. That's like yeah. the trend of humanity since caves. Like yeah. when people wrote things down uh, for each other was to help spread information. Um, and figuring out what's a fad and what is going to be a reliable long-term business um, decision is is hard. Right. And, you know, I would think fashion would be the type of industry where fads definitely uh, proliferate, you know, that you can... Proliferate? Proliferate, thank you. <laughs> you think you put proliferate and bifurcate in together. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I was thinking about is I was thinking about how somebody in fashion uh, many years ago, in the 60s actually, in San Francisco, uh, it was called the Generation Gap Jeans. And what they sold were just used jeans. People would bring in, you know, there was people, yep. hippies and, you know, Hate Ashbury bringing in jeans all the time. They were, they were trying to, you know, make money to eat, I guess. So they just yep. sell their old jeans. And so they would just resell them. And what this company did is they dropped the first word of the, of the name of their company. And they, they expanded. Oh, became Gap? That's right. Wow. <laughs> so here was somebody that was in a industry that had a lot of fads. But they were able to use that to their advantage and go beyond that. And, and so, yeah, gene, like that, that's a very good example because fashion is so, you know, cutting edge, right? But yeah. you, all the things you see on the runway aren't things that people wear. It's like the stores <laughs> like The Gap that sell jeans and T-shirts that like that's what people wear. And then the people um, who make clothes for the runway are basically making art for visual consumption, not for practical wearing. Do you realize that I probably have not purchased more than five clothing items in my life myself oh my gosh they've all been given to me by you your life your mom <laughs> yeah your grandma mm -hmm. amber's been involved your sister uh and then everything else is christmas gifts and birthday gifts well to be fair i think i only bought my uh my own uh pair of pants for the first time this year uh-huh yeah I was, <laughs> I was telling you you should wear pants when you go outside it's about time yeah i mean it, the law got to me eventually yeah. no no uh <laughs> Again, yeah, grandma. The, that's grandma's go-to gift is a new pair of jeans every um, every year. So, and she's way more fashion conscious than any of us. I mean, <laughs> that's right. Her velour, her, her like velour pantsuits are on point. But, but but in case she's listening, she's just not to get involved in fads, right? No. <laughs> okay. Grandma's timeless. Okay, that's right. You're listening to Improv Inc. Business, where personal and business finance take a front row seat. We'd like to thank our sponsor today, Rick E. Norris and Accountancy Corporation, for helping support the show. And if you have any emails or questions that you want to send us, as other people have been sending them in, uh, send them to rick at improvingbusiness.com. Uh, that's improv with a hyphen, ing business.com. Now's time for our tax tales. Tax tales, tax tales, tax tales, tax tales, tax tales. Tax tales. Oh, woo. Many cities and states levy a jock tax on any income earned by entertainers and athletes <laughs> while working in that city. Talk about clothing. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, uh, yeah, we were not, just talking not, about clothing. Not for jock straps. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> though that, it, that's not where it comes from, right? It comes from <laughs> jockeys, like the people who ride horses, right? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, oh my when gosh, I was, it's a reference to, to jockstrap, of course. 
Wow. Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, when I grew up playing football in the 60s, that's basically, they didn't call us jocks, but we wore jocks. They called you, they called you straps. <laughs> they called us <laughs> straps. <laughs> anyway, uh, many cities have this jock tax that also affects um, uh, entertainers as well as athletes, basically to tax them when they're performing and making money in that city. Um, so they have to pay taxes on a portion of the income at any place that they play, uh, which must make it very hard for their accountants. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. W-2s coming out of our ears. <laughs> you know, get tax. But of course, that's that uh, is a, um, a tax on like a, a person who is non-resident. And yeah. so if you're like on location, you know, that you'll get hit with that. So my question is like every time a football team travels, like every single one of those guys is going to get a W-2 when they're in Cincinnati or what have you? No, but there it's not a W-2, but, uh, you know, I don't know if these guys are incorporated uh, or if they're working for the team, uh, but they will have income on that W-2 or income to his corporation or her corporation that is, pertains to that particular state. And oh, you have okay. to file returns in that state, and you're running the same problem. And this is why states, some of them have no income tax, first of all. Yeah, and like some of them, and Delaware, right? right. Uh, well, uh, Nevada and uh, Florida. And Delaware is just all the tax loopholes. <laughs> right, right. I'm surprised you know about that. Uh, a lot of people don't know about that. But anyway, yeah, I'm, it's I'm a crazy well tax. How dare you? That's there we are. Uh, but you know that that we're in this federalist country, and but we still have these strange taxes between the states and how companies are going from state to state trying to get, get better tax benefits. Mm -hmm. Now it's time for our takeaways where we tell you what specific steps you can take to implement what we've been talking about on the podcast. And uh, number one, determine what customers want. We've talked about how to do this in other podcasts, but the easiest way to do it would be a survey or a, or a blog um, questionnaire. You may be able to uncover a new demand that's being overlooked by your industry by asking the people who buy your products what they want. It's, it seems very simple, but a lot of people forget about it. Uh, number two is uh, look at what you're providing your customers. Um, we talked about this in the Blue Ocean Strategy. Uh, are you... Uh, giving them products and services that they're not utilizing, but they're paying for, you know, and that's, yeah, that's really the, frustrating. the other side of the coin of number one. Yeah, right. Yeah, not giving them what they want or giving them things they don't want. That's right. And if you're doing that, uh, then phase them out. Phase them out. You could even reduce the prices or substitute them for what Brandon just said uh, for things that they can use. Yeah. Uh, number three, now that you've taken away unnecessary services or products, uh, reprice what you're offering. Uh, or the, a lot of people are able to do this now. If you can find a way to uh, do like a tier system mm -hmm. where, where you know, someone who's going to want all your services is going to pay more, but someone who like, you know, doesn't want all the services is going to pay a little less. And that way you, you don't necessarily have to um, phase everything out, but you can have a premium uh, version of your service for people who want more options. Right. You see that a lot in different mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Whether it's a no ads on something like Hulu plus, mm -hmm. um, or, 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 or Netflix getting DVDs or not getting DVDs, just doing the streaming. Yeah. Uh -huh. A lot of people do that now. And, and that's what we do too. You know, in the accounting firm is that we can have very basic bookkeeping, our lowest rate, uh, for just doing bank reconciliations and accounts payable or accounts receivable. 
or we have another level that's account executives that are like bookkeepers on steroids that actually go through and set up books and um, actually get things ready for accountants. Then you have accountants, and then we have uh, strategists at a different level. So there's different levels, kind of like a cafeteria type thing, and it's always good to have, uh, shall we say, lower-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. uh, number four is that if your service or product is creating a new demand, blast it out on the web and let everybody know about it. Mm -hmm. You know, just like in Google, you know, they had a great idea, but if nobody knew about it, yep. nobody's going to be using and their search engines. you definitely don't want to be number two to the party. That's right. If you find a new demand, boop, put yeah. it online. There's a moral that you have to take away from today's podcast. It's that you have to match what the customers want to what you have to offer, not the other way around. Well, uh, we invite you to check out our new multimedia podcast starting in August. August, starting in August, it's going to be a little odder, I guess, right. uh, called Rambling Business. Uh, join us on Rambling Business. We'll talk about businesses not only around the United States, but as abroad uh, as well, and what works for them and what isn't working for them, uh, sort of a take on the challenges of local businesses with input from people who are local. Uh, we'll also share some of our travel tips that may help you manage your money as you vacation. This podcast will be different because it'll link to a page of videos of where we traveled and the music of the area, as well as uh, maybe some of the interviews that we have with the people. Yeah, exciting. So I hope you can join us. Uh, so we're going to be signing off from Improving Business for our last time, 75th episode. But don't forget, August 2016, that's only two months from now. Mm -hmm. uh, check us out and uh, online and on iTunes and all the other distributions uh, distributors of uh, podcasts this is rick this is brandon and thank you for listening along with us bye now our music for this podcast was composed and produced by devin s norris if you like what you hear and would like to have custom music for any of your projects contact him at devinsnorris.com <laughs>